It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's going on, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to Lax Class, lacrosse classified right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. You found us once again. This is episode 172. My name is Jake Elliott. My co-host name is Brad Challoner, and we're happy to be with you. We're happy that you are with us as we have another big program lined up for you here as we head into week 13 of the National Lacrosse League. Week 12 is in the rear view mirror. We're past the halfway point, and we got a ton to talk about here on this upcoming episode. We will have our lax class locks as we look to get back on the winning track. I still can't believe our Adam Charlambides didn't pop that empty netter in for the... Would have got it. Anyways, uh, Lax Class Locks coming up in quarter four. Who you got as well. Lots to chew on and who you got there. Brad, as I perk up a little bit on that. Uh, quarter number three, we're going to hand out our midseason awards. Uh, we'll get Evan on for that. And quarter two, we're going to Halifax via Whitby, Ontario, to talk to number 33 of the T-Birds. Put up a six-pack. Last game, Austin Shanks will make his debut on Lax Class, so we'll look forward to that. And here in quarter one, the week that was, who we had, and of course our Stampede Stallions of the Week, all coming up here on EP172. Sounds like a pretty good program to me. Brad, uh, happy family day, man. Uh, I... Had a pretty good day myself. I'll go first here. Uh, got Maya out to the zoo this morning. A good walk around the Greater Vancouver Zoo out there in Alder Grove. And then a little disc golf in the afternoon. Legs feeling better. So got back out there, chucked a few discs around. And uh, then threw on the bromper, man. And I'm just chilling here for, for recording on a Monday night. How's it going with you? How was family day? Well, happy family day. Happy family day for everybody listening as well. Hope you got to enjoy it with uh, with your family. Mine, uh, not so much. So yeah, <laughs> I was in Calgary, Calgary over the weekend. And then I got to text my wife saying um, both kids were, well, one kid was already positive with COVID. Second kid got positive with COVID. Wife got positive with COVID. And so that, that's what I came home to on Saturday afternoon. And now, and now I'm starting to feel a little groggy myself. And I've I've been ducking this thing for two and a half or two years. I don't mean to laugh. I was getting cocky. I was bragging. I had no effects after my booster that I'm, a, I'm an ox. I'm a bull and no big deal. And then um, sure enough, it's, it's finally hit me now. Whammo. So. Well, that yeah, sucks, my family, man. my family day has been cooped up. Yeah. We're all, you know, we got this like air purifier going, and I'm just watching movies and lacrosse games back to back to back, and laying uh, very low. But at least you know the family was all together. If you're looking for yeah. hashtag positivity, yeah, uh, no doubt. I mean, uh, if you're gonna get it, get it all at once, get it out of the way. And and I, I didn't want to go down that road, Brad. But uh, listen, I told you about a month and a half ago. It's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when. And I really think that to be the case for most. And 
Um, I think you're going to be okay, man. You know, you got your double vax, you got your booster, you'll, you'll get through it, but uh, I know it sucks. So I'm sorry to hear that, but, uh, it's the world. All good. So far, so far, it's literally right now, and this could be famous last words, but this is literally right now. It's just a cold. I have a little bit of stuffed up nose and I'm just tired and sort of lethargic. So we'll bang through this tonight, but here we are. Yeah. Um, and so far let's, let's hope it, uh, let's hope it stays this way. It doesn't get any worse. No doubt. I'm thinking about Joe. All right. Uh, I think I screwed up last week and drove the bus for who we had last week. So I'm we, there's no way, there's no right or wrong way of doing it, Jumbo. We're just having a conversation. Yeah, I'm like, kind of like because you. I don't, I don't know why you want so much structure all the well, time. Well, no, I, I just find that you seem to pluck out better storylines out of these games than I seem to do. So I think you make it more interesting leading me down the road that you want to go down. So is that a nice way of saying that I, I prepare for the podcast? <laughs> well, I'm throwing myself under the bus if I do that. No, I just think you have a, a keen mind for the nuggets. I have questions. I, yeah. I have questions, right? So, I have I, answers. I like to... so let's okay. rock and roll here. All right. Let's, uh, first of all, can I address Calgary, which is amazing, beautiful city. And, you know, it's everyone's favorite, everyone's favorite road trip city, but because of COVID, uh, you can't get a drink after 11 (laughs) o'clock. So Teddy and I leave the arena, um, with a couple of the producers from TSN on Friday night, because the game was a late start. Face off wasn't until 8.15. It was delayed because we thought the... Um, hockey, CHL hockey. game on TSN two was going to go late and it ended on time. But anyways, eight fifteen. So that like just having that weeky that wacky start time made for an awkward day. But by the time we packed up the broadcast booth and left the arena and tried and tried to find a watering hole, we walk in. They're like, "No, we've already had last call. The kitchen's almost closed. Went to a place across the street. No, last call's already happened. Can't get food either." We're like, what? This is Calgary at 11 o'clock on a Friday night. And apparently the restrictions are changing next week. But casino? Not I, uh, serving? The casino. Uh, I didn't try the casino. I didn't try the casino. I know it was recommended. I'm scared of that place. I need to. Well, you didn't show up for Warrior Spaces again on Saturday, Brad. And speaking... That was prime nap time, too, speaking by the way. Speaking with Garrett McIntosh, I did not know this. About the Vancouver Warriors, I found out this weekend that they have a red wine club going after each game. Uh, there are about eight of them. Coach Gilly involved with that. Uh, Garrett, of course, and I think maybe a few of the other elder statesmen. I would probably venture a guess to Tyler Codron and, and maybe Brett Mitski being in on that. But uh, you could have found the red wine club if you knew what you were doing. And how about, uh, yeah, how about, how about this? Uh, we're going to talk about the Vancouver game, but uh, I saw the Instagram post. Logan Shuss, his flight out of Calgary was at like 1126. The game ended at 1040 and he made his flight. The Uber driver right there outside the door. I don't know how he got it done. He must've ran out of the arena in his gear, but he made his flight pretty impressive. Yeah, that is impressive. And he wasn't on our flight heading in on Thursday. So I don't know if he came in like late Thursday night or first yeah. thing, super early Friday morning. He was at shoot around Friday morning. But yeah, what a what a weekend. Let's just start. Let's okay. just start with that game. Okay. Because the other thing we noticed when we got to morning shoot around was that uh, Alexis Bouquet wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And we're like, what the hell is going on? So Buki's okay. It was a non-COVID related illness, we'll call it. And he should be okay for... Um, for yeah, this weekend's game, yeah. but 
all of a sudden, you know, hours before game, and it wasn't even confirmed by the time shoot around was over that he was out of commission or not. They thought there was still a chance that he was going to go to a doctor and that he'd be cleared and he'd be able to land at like 11 or 12 o'clock in the afternoon and play the game. So Steve Fryer sitting there, not knowing what's happening. Brody Harris, who they brought on the trip, not a precaution is sitting there wondering what's happening. Um, and then there it is hours before game time. We found out that uh, no Alex Bouquet for the Vancouver Warriors, who, save percentage wise wins wise goals against average wise has been one of the best goaltenders in the national lacrosse league to start this season. And I thought that was going to be a big blow to the Vancouver Warriors for your, no Mitch Jones, no Tyrell Hamer Jackson and no bouquet, your best player, your starting goaltender and the guy that's winning you 63% of faceoffs night in night out. Um, but again, like team next man up and teams just, We'll talk about this with Austin Shanks later, but it seems like teams keep overcoming adversary this season. Adversary um, or ad- adversity? Adversity. Yeah. Adversity this season. Yeah. And, and stepping up. And yeah, it wasn't a pretty performance by the Calgary Roughnecks. They kind of probably let a lot of those, that, that game slip away from them. But in the end, teams find a, good teams find a way to win. And the Vancouver Warriors did just that a miraculous performance in a game of the ages for Steve Fry. I've never seen him play like that in national lacrosse league. Pretty impressive stuff, man. No question about it. And I think that's, you know, where you got to start is Steve Fryer and to be thrust into that situation is not an easy one and not a, not one that every goaltender would have that reaction and then back it up with that performance uh, like Steve Fryer did. And, Keegan Ball, uh, what a goal he scored in that game. The dunk wraparound, you know how they normally try and stuff it short side when you do that? He went all the way around the goaltender. to, Like, he kind of shot out towards the top of the crease to give himself. It was a wild-looking goal. Um, so he gets six points. Curtis Dixon, who we did not, we weren't sure whether he was going to play or not. He... Shows up for six points, four goals, and you just kind of felt like, oh, man, like Curtis Dixon is going to win this game for Calgary at certain points. This was classic Vancouver-Calgary lacrosse here. Just back and forth, 7-6 at halftime. They trade punches in the second half, and Riley Lowen steps up with about two minutes to go to get the game-winning goal, and then they hang on in the dying seconds of that game. And, and man, that was fun to watch. I imagine it was pretty fun to call as well. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty cool game, especially how scrambly that last sort of 90 seconds or so was. So Lowen steps up, gets things, the winner against his former club right in a dirty area on the floor. And and it's late to get picked up, which seemed to be a theme um, all night long guys just being unscathed in the middle of the floor and cashing in. And then, yeah, the final, the scrambling 90 seconds. So Calgary comes out with a set play, six on five. Dixon's robbed on a, a sort of a short side twister. And Vancouver's got like, you know, it's like, I think coming around with the clock was like 48 seconds. So two possession game still. And Keegan Ball ices yeah, the ball. Yeah, that's I, the one play I didn't understand. The only thing I, sorry to interrupt you, but the only explanation I could kind of come up with is that they wanted to give the ball back to Calgary so they could have the final 30-second possession. Do you know what I'm saying there? Like, they they almost went for the two-for-one from their own end. So when Calgary came back, yeah, they were going to get a possession, but it wouldn't be 
eight, they wouldn't be able to go empty net because Vancouver, they were going to be too much time on the shot clock. Do you know what? I, do you know where I'm going? Yeah, with that? yeah, I know. I, I, I didn't think that was was going to happen though. I think they were going to try to kill a thirty and then take a shot, get a rebound, and try to kill another fifteen twenty seconds or so. I think it was try to. I thought he was trying to lob it, basically ice it, bank it off the far glass, and have a loose ball for Lou, Lee Reed Bowering to grab. Just yeah, because it was why not just man run on man it, coverage, just right? Run so it. bomb it up, let Bowering grab it, but then so Vancouver coughs it up. Calgary goes back the other way. They cough it up. There was a pass that was intended for right. Jesse King, and he's looking over at the bench, um, and that ball sails wide of Jesse King, and then Vancouver gets it back and just runs it, runs the rest of the clock out. So a, a mad scrambly, scrambly finish. Um, the floor wasn't floor wasn't that bad. No, I was I was anticipating like just for the chatter I've seen people ripping it on Twitter. You get into the building, get on the floor, get and then do it. a game in there. It, it was it was fine. You're way up there. White jerseys too on that turf. I thought might have been an issue for you guys uh, up top there, but no. No, like it's it's super bright, but I don't think it takes a few minutes to get used to. But once you're used to it, you're good. And remember, Vancouver played an exhibition game there, so they're probably a little bit more used to it than some other teams that are going to be rolling into that building this year. But it's not as bad as people think, and. And who knows, this might make, this might open, um, I'm not saying we're going to see different color turf around the National Cross League, but maybe when new teams come in, we start seeing slight, slightly different shades of that green and it's not so uniform. I don't know. It yeah. wasn't, it wasn't terrible. Well, like and, I said, I, you know, when I heard the bouquet news, I know a lot of people switched their picks around and all the rest of it, Brad. I was not one of those people stuck with my boys there in Vancouver and they pull it out. Yeah, and shout out to Owen Barker too. Had another great game. So he takes God, the bulk of the, well. takes the bulk of the draws, um, scores a goal in in transition off of a face off, which is huge. Which is why he's out there causing turnovers, blocking shots. He's just he's one of those guys that you want on the floor. And if Hamer's out, he's doing sort of like the messenger role or the courier role at the beginning of the season. Like you want your best players on the floor in different situations, and that's what. That's what Barks has been turning into this season. Yeah, no, he's playing unbelievably well. Never seen him play better. Undrafted free agent. Yeah, good stuff. The other Friday nighter was the Albany Firewolves and the Buffalo Bandits, and we all know lacrosse is a game of runs, but this is now confirmed <laughs> by <laughs> NLL Fact of the Day, Grand Perro. It has never happened before. Complete insanity. That a team has been shut out in every quarter. So Albany quarter one, one, nothing. Buffalo scores all six goals of quarter two, six, one Albany scores all seven goals of quarter three. It's eight, six. And then Buffalo scores all seven goals of quarter four. It's 13, eight, one net never got scored on the entire game. That's it. So it's one thing to have a team get, you know, shut like be all four quarters be a shutout for one team, but then you add to the fact that all the goals were scored in one net. Like that could go the other way, right? Where a team shuts out the other team for two quarters and and they score. So, but to but to do that and then have all the goals only go in one net, like I I don't imagine know if we'll ever see that holder, again. We'll never see that again. Season ticket holder sitting behind. <laughs> that net 21 goals were scored and you're like oh nothing yeah, way down in front at the of other, me yeah all game I mean, some good defensive but like matt vince played out of his mind 
can. And any goaltender that can put out a shutout fourth quarter is, uh, is lights out. I think he was Buffalo's player of the game, like still just playing fantastic lacrosse and Buffalo is now seven and one Cloutier with four Connor fields is near the top of that team in goals right now. He's just been doing everything to looking good again. Yeah. Um, who'd you have in that game? I took Buffalo in that game. Okay. So did I. I took Buffalo. Okay. Yeah. Two and oh so yeah. far. Just if you're keeping, yeah. Keeping so yeah, then never, it's never happened before as far as those shutout court. I'm sure we've seen it in the summer, you know, in, in WLA or junior yeah. or something for sure. Junior. But um, to have that happen. That's only three periods, though, so it's a little different. Yeah. Yeah, insane. Um, We won't spend too much time here because we're going to break it down a little bit more full with Austin Sanks in a sec here. But uh, the Thunderbirds go home to the nest in front of 3,000 of the best fans in the National Lacrosse League. They win 15-10 over Georgia. The Birds are now 6-1. The Swarm are 4-6. And Halifax controls most if not all of this lacrosse game for the most part. Yeah. I, I mean, high scoring first quarter, six, four, and they just kind of kept it going. It was 10, six at halftime. And it was just another one of these games for Halifax where you never really felt like they were threatened in this one to, to lose And Georgia. Like, man, I six for 28 in the faceoff dot. Brad is not going to help. Warren Hill continues to impress. Like he just, he seems to be getting better and better with every minute he plays, which, you know, I don't know how much better he can get, but he's seemingly doing it. Shanks with six goals. Peterson with six assists. And Halifax, Brad, a lot of talk coming into the start of the season, and they're backing up that talk right now. Everything that that team has gone through to have the record that they do, they're going to be a tough out come postseason time. Yeah, and I like to see that they that they turned it around after that that Albany game because I think that was a setback and kind of a reality check and, and to look themselves in the mirror and figure out what are we like? We're telling everybody it's unfinished business. These camera crews are following us around everywhere and we roll into MVP arena and get smoked like we didn't show up. And now they then they have to play games at neutral territory. Now they're going back home to 3,000 fans. Like they've been through, it is sort of team of destiny related stuff with everything that they've gone through but this show man is making celebrities out of people like i'm all in on warren hill right now on and off the floor like i'll admit heading into the season he wasn't for me a top top three top five goaltender but what he's done this year and putting up another 45 saves against lyle in the swarm some of the saves he's making and then you know getting to know his personality a little bit off the floor via 360 like i'm all in on the warren uh, warren hill train right now Big fan, me too. At the, at the other end of the spectrum, though, is Mike Poulin. I think they've been like they've been prepping the young goaltenders in Georgia, seemingly to like take over, to prepare for minutes this year. Like we've seen Wendy, we've seen a couple different guys come up and down, but to see Poulin pulled early-ish, it was only eight five when Poulin got pulled, mm. and then never came back. And Wendy comes in and allows seven on thirty-seven. You know, we just talked about Matt Vince being at the top of his game at 39. I know he's a freak anomaly, but, you know, are we thinking that this is the beginning of the end for, for Mike Poole? Well, I, yeah. If you say it's the beginning of the end, Brad, then I think that's probably a fair comment. Like, I don't think it's the end yet, but I think the beginning, the writing on the wall is starting here. And 
with the way Georgia's going, young youth movement, tons of draft picks in their lineup. We've kind of seen this with Arlotta before, you know, with Evan Kirk and Tyler Carlson being moved along. So I don't know if they're at the point yet where they're just going to hand the reins over to Wendy or Harushka or, or whoever. You know, clearly the time off for Mike Poulin has affected him. And that's just father time, I think, more than anything, Brad. I think we've seen it with a couple other guys around the league as well, like Jeff Shatler comes to mind. You can just see that, you know, a couple of turns of the calendar here, there's there's nothing you can do, buddy. You can Some guys oh, can get through it. Down. Yeah, some, no. So, and, you know, we talked about it. Some guys, some guys have gotten better because they've recovered and who knows how they've, they've spent their time. And I don't know how Mike Poulin spent his time either, but some, some bodies are just different. We've seen young players come in the league that some guys just never recover from a knee surgery. Let's say like yeah. we talked about Craig Kahn a couple of weeks ago, like that guy just never recovered from his injuries. There's other players that have come into the league have been super hot. Kyle Sorensen comes to Garrett Billings never overcame his, yeah. his injuries, you know, like there's just certain bodies that can't, can't do it. And it's taken some great lacrosse players away from us. I think Poulin's a different category just because he's an aging veteran. And it's not that he's, battled injuries well, but yeah i think he's 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 slowing down here and i don't want to sit here and just start calling guys out because i think you know the the pandemic you some guys went one way and other guys went another way and a lot of guys like doug jameson took the opportunity to drop 60 pounds and get himself in the best shape that he's ever been in where teammate jordan durston clearly did not brad and went the other way and now has been a healthy scratch for that team for the last two games. So I don't think that's the situation for Mike Poole, and he's always been a guy that's taken care of himself. I just I just think it's father time, man. It's undefeated, and there's nothing he can do. Toronto Rock, Albany, Firewolves on Saturday. This week We had two games Friday, two games Saturday, two games Sunday. A tidy little schedule this weekend. I liked it. But the Toronto Rock, 6-3, and three, went down to Albany. Their second game. Um, By the way, you had, you had Halifax in that. That last, you picked Halifax in that last game. I picked Halifax, okay. and yeah, as did you, as did you. So this is this is where our who you got kind of went sideways because oh no, it went right. I was the right on direction, I was on right. the I was on the train of you know you look at who you pick every week and I'm like hey well there's these are all too obvious to me like there's got to be yeah. an upset or two in there and the two games that I picked for upsets <laughs> didn't happen. This being one of them, I thought Albany. Toronto's playing really good right now, but I just thought Albany on the second half of a back-to-back, going home, learning things from Buffalo the previous night would come to play, and and they did. Like this one was close at times, pretty entertaining, pretty tidy, clean lacrosse game. But Toronto just ended up finding a different level in in the fourth quarter. I think Halifax ran, or sorry, Albany runs out of gas in the fourth quarter as they fall to thirteen nine. Toronto now six and three. Albany is four and six. Yeah. So they're still in, they're still in the hunt, but they're losing some, some games to key opponents right now. Yeah. Tough weekend for Albany going Oh, and two and Toronto looks like they've found their stride. They're healthy. And you know, the defense is playing, I think the way they envision they're getting production in spades here from captain America, who just is on another planet right now. So, all good things there in Toronto, and like I said, real tough weekend for for Albany. They really needed a split that week, and they didn't get it. 
and now we'll see where they go moving forward. Like, can they shake that off? That's tough on a team going 0-2, especially when you got a home game in there as well. And, you know, we'll see if this is the beginning of a, of a downturn here, or we'll see if Albany's got some stones and want to turn their season around and, and come up with a big win this weekend. It's going to be interesting to find out. Yeah, they head to San Diego. So yeah. well, you know, that's, they're coming you know, off coming off a back-to-back weekend and then a, that's a about tough, as tough as it gets, right? And San Diego, and that's who's been waiting for a couple weeks to play lacrosse again. And That might be their yeah, only saving grace, Brad, is that San Diego has been idle. But that that's about as tough as it gets for the Firewolves. Losing two straight and then making the long trip to the West Coast to take on a rested powerhouse in San Diego. It's going to be tough. The only thing I wanted to note here is that two of the hottest players uh, in the league statistics-wise in the last few weeks, they're Americans. Tom Schreiber and Joe Resetera. It's yeah. our... If you look at their their stat lines in the last three or four games each, they're like their points per game are out of control right now. Resetarits is right there near the top of the league in points um, and goals, and Tom Schreiber is right there in goals as well. So I thought that was that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, in Albany's case, other- they just they just need a little more like surplus. It can't be just Joey Raz and Benny. It's got to be everybody on that Albany team to make that offense successful. Yeah, they need a little more Rue. Nice to see Kitchen get on the board, but they need a little bit more from the supporting cast as well. And the, their transition the needs to bury. Like they got a real tidy transition team. They get up on and off the floor really great and they take away reverse transition and they they push the tempo, but they haven't been scoring as much in the last couple of weeks. And that, you know, you need you need three a night in transition to to yeah. be successful across. Yeah, that's bang on. Colorado, Saskatchewan. This is the other one I thought we're due for an upset here. I know even the odds makers had yeah. on cool bet had Sask. As they were the wrong, Brad. They were wrong. They were wrong. I, t- I took Sask in this one. I thought they were going to pull it out and they led in the fourth quarter yeah. of this lacrosse game and still let it slip away. Colorado scores two empty net goals in the fourth quarter. Um, and they did win this one. 12, 10 Colorado, six and two, the rush are now two and six. Wow. And I thought they like, this might've been, one of their best games, probably yeah, this one in the well. Vancouver game. Like they led for the most part. Matthews looked good. Um, Lynn or sorry, courier finally gets a hat trick. Everyone's yeah. like, okay, the trade courier rumors are, are off the market. And he's finally buried. And then it was nice to see they're down by one with seconds left. And the six on five play they drew up was for courier. Like he took that shot, um, ends up going high and wide. He tries to chase down the loose ball, trips in front of the bench and results in another empty net goal for Colorado that sealed it. And I just felt, I felt so bad for the guy. Like, is that courier season in a nutshell? Uh, you no, know, they try to try to give him everything to get the monkey off his back. And he has a hat trick and they put the ball in his stick in a crucial time. And then it goes wide and it goes into the back of it at the other end. Like that's, it's been, it's been a tough goal, man. A lot of people asking what's going to happen in Saskatchewan now with you know their pending unrestricted free agents <clears throat> excuse me and i i'm not sure i have the answer and and a lot, I had a lot of people asking me and i just said this like whatever happens you can trust that Derek keenan is going to do the right thing at the right time for this team and whether no, that's, i don't sorry go ahead the, like the fire sale doesn't really exist in the national lacrosse so you're at least it hasn't 
in the past. You know, like the teams are all so close that I don't think a two and six team. They're never going to panic. They're not. Yeah, they're at the midway of the season now. Anything could happen. I just don't see a, okay, our, our, our playoff chances are pretty slim right now. Let's get rid of all of our UFAs and try to load up. Like we just haven't seen that before. No. It's not, it's not a common thing in the national lacrosse league because playoffs are still a, a high possibility for the Saskatchewan rush. Yeah. I don't know about high, but you know, I mentioned, <clears throat> I mentioned this on Twitter spaces on, on Friday night about the rush and like I've seen some people calling for Jeff McCombs head already, which is just like one of the Eight most games. Yeah. One of the most asinine takes I can even fathom. Like I just, Give your head a shake. Like that is not happening. Jeff McComb has been at Derek Keenan's side for the better part of three decades or something like that. Like it's not happening. And I don't think it should happen. But one thing that I have been kicking around in my head is that I wonder, like Jeff McComb, I've said this multiple times, is an absolute offensive genius. And I and I just wonder, like Moving to the middle of the bench has taken his focus away from doing what he has done best. And I don't know if you'll recall, Brad, I don't know how many years ago it was, but I think it was a Man Cup run year for the Maple Ridge Berards where Chris Gill was the head coach, but Rob Williams was the guy in the middle of the bench. And I just wonder, like, keep the title, but maybe he and Jimmy Quinlan just switch spots on the bench. Let Jimmy manage the personalities and manage the bench and call timeout, like which he is fully capable of doing. Jimmy Quinlan can manage a bench and manage a game and let Bubba go back to running the offense and just focus on that because the way he can adjust and improvise on the fly with all those guys is unparalleled. And I just feel like maybe that's being taken away a little bit with where he is positioned on that bench. You think I'm on to something there? Well, yeah, you're not, you're not, there's, there's no right or wrong way of doing this. It's not because he's listed as head coach. doesn't matter what, where he is on that bench and how they structure things. There's no, nothing in the rule book that prohibits that. Um, and I'm all for trying unorthodox things. Look in, look in Buffalo. Your yeah. general manager is your defensive coach. And there's all sorts of, you know, assistant GMs and GMs that are on benches across the league. So, uh, yeah, I don't I don't think that's a, a, a crazy, a crazy take. Like, I also don't think that their, you know, their defense has been pretty solid. Their defense has been their defense, um, probably their best offensive game. So maybe if they did make some adjustments last week, that's what we see going forward. I did think, think they took some right steps on the O side of things against Colorado. So maybe they've already making those adjustments and now they've got enough film on Colorado. They know how to make their adjustments to go home and beat them at home. Like Calgary did a week ago. And right? I'm, just, so, I'm trying to remember their schedule, Brad. Like I know they lost in overtime to Halifax. I think maybe a one goal game to Toronto as well. Like they've, they had a pretty tough schedule out of the gates and it's not like they're getting their doors blown off them week in and week out. So like, I don't think they're all that far away. And, Listen, man, they they still scare me. Well, and the thing about the West, too, is that you have to play each other so many times, right? So every game against the Western Division opponent 
props you up and knock someone else down. They have two more games against Calgary. They got Colorado one more time. They got Vancouver one more time. They got Panther City twice. And they've got San Diego uh, once or twice. So what could still happen? They've got a lot of some of their Eastern games are out of the way now. I think all of their Eastern games are out of the way because they played Albany, Toronto, and Halifax, as you mentioned. So yeah, the rest of their schedule is against the West. Still scare me, Brad. Just saying. Last game of the weekend. Let's go home to Fort Worth, Texas. The Calgary Roughnecks. <laughs> they have to. There's actually Evan taught us this last week. There's actually a direct flight from Calgary to Fort Worth. Yeah. Um, which is kind of sweet. Well, that's you know, there's that's your oil money right there. Guys going back and forth from from the well to the ocean, I guess. Um, well, but the Calgary well. Roughnecks. They, yeah, and and. The Kurt Malowski press conference after the Vancouver game was just electric, as as it always is when Kurt Malowski is on a mic. But, you know, someone asked him, oh, is it exciting to go down to Panther City and take a look at Texas for the first time and play against Panther City? And Kurt said something to the effect of, I don't give a crap about Texas. I don't give a crap about Fort Worth. Um, you know, it's just about them getting a uh, win. And I, Kurt was going to be happy with the way that they lost that game. They were over 5 on the power play. Um Vancouver's penalty kill, by the way, Brad. They were unreal. All they, season. They were unreal. All season. Yeah. Yeah. So, Calgary over 5 on the power play. Vancouver's getting to the middle all night long. There was a lot of mistakes by the Calgary Rapids, and I just knew that that wasn't going to be a game that Kermelowski was going to walk away <laughs> pleased yes. with. A lot of takeaways. He was going to flip that and use that to for his fuel and his advantage. And credit Panther City. Like, they, they put up a pretty good fight. They were leading this game at times. They signed Cam Milligan, who has a hat trick. Dean, Dean Farrell, Farrell comes in. So TK they're, was they're, coaching his ass off in that game. They're flipping over every stone right now to try to find something that works. They start Nick DeMood. They keep him in for the whole game. But Calgary, I think, just, you know, they're, they're a little bit more veteran savvy than, yeah. than Panther City, even though they were missing Callies and Salama and Manning and then Curtis Dixon. Tyler, Tyler Pace, Pace in the lineup. Plays uh, his first game on American soil in years. So that yeah. was nice to see for, yeah. for Tyler that, Pace. I'm glad that's cleared up uh, for sure. And you're right. Kermelowski is an absolute quote machine. It's, it's solid gold every time. We're still waiting for somebody to put a montage of all his bench interviews together, which would just be, I don't know. I think it might break the internet if, if somebody put that thing together. So challenge out to you and you're right. Panthers say like this game coming up against Vancouver this weekend has me a little nervous because Panther city just seemingly is getting closer and closer and closer. And I just feel like one of these weeks they're going to break through. I don't know if it's going to be this weekend or not, but Man, uh, you just feel for them because they were right there and had it and just couldn't finish the deal. But I guess you got to attribute that a little bit to just being a new franchise and having to learn how to win in in clutch situations. It's going to take a little time there in PCLC. That was who we had the week that was. And before we get to Austin Shanks here coming up, Brad, we got to go somewhere else first. We're heading for the Stampede Tax Stables. <laughs> Stampede. 
Stampede Tack and Western Wear Stables for this week's Stampede Stallions of the Week. Brought to you by, of course, Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Out there in Cloverdale since 1966. Or you can shop online, stampede.ca. Where shopping online is still shopping local. Jeans, boots, hats, belts, bolas, buckles, chaps, spurs, bridles, reins, lassos. Stampede. Are you describing a rodeo? Are you describing uh, everything that is available in Stampede Tack and Westernware, Brad? That is what I am describing. Get online and check it out yourself at stampede.ca. You will not be disappointed. Stampede Stallion of the Week time, Brad. Uh, I haven't told you my stallion. You haven't told me your stallion. We may have the same stallion again. I'm not sure. Would you like to go first or you want me to go? I'll, I'll go first, and this will be pretty obvious to me or to everybody listening. Uh, 41 saves. Steve Fryer. Steve Fryer. <laughs> one win. Steve Fryer is my stampede style in the week. Enough said there for deep. He's, he's a great personality. He did his interview post game on TSN, and one of the producers in our ear was like, Who is this guy? Like, we love him, and we need to have him on camera more because uh, he's electric and he played electric, and the Vancouver Warriors got a pretty good. One-two punch right now with uh, with Bouquet and Fryer. I thought it was pretty telling of him saying that his starting job was kind of taken away from him in training camp because he had a bit of an injury. That spoke to me that this is a very confident goaltender. Like, the way Bouquet has played, and Fryer hasn't really got his chance, but to say, like, yeah, that was my job, and I picked up an injury in training camp, and it got taken away from me. That's the guy that believes in his ability and is just waiting for his opportunity, and he got it and did well and proved that he deserved that opportunity. So, like, I have no qualms about going back to Fryer down in Panther City if Bouquet's no, not quite right. Just, and I was just thinking, like, what happens What happens next weekend? And, yeah, maybe you do. I don't know how sick bouquet is i know he's an absolute warrior and is going to want to get back into the lineup but yeah you don't have to rush him back if he's not 100 percent. you can take your time and have that confidence now but if fryer does play in panther city and wins then what do you do the week after that uh, i think it's really, i don't even think you really worry about that brad like you don't even go down that road until you need to like that's not a One problem you need to worry about that's the good like it's a good problem to have when you have to think about that decision you know what I'm saying? Like it's um, honorable mention and Sato will get upset with me if I don't mention this, but last week's stampede stallion of the week, Zach Courier, see the stat line on him. This yeah, 21 Lucy's this week uh, in what, just the one game and another goal against Panthers 34 in two games, Brad, four cause turnovers against Panther city. Um, you know, we'll talk about our transition player of the year nominees in a second. And, uh, I don't think you'll be you'll be going the next couple minutes though hearing his name again. Unbelievable. So welcome to the stable, Steve. Deep Fryer, you're this week's Stampede Stallion of the Week. Quarter one is done. Quarter two is coming right up. Austin Shanks of the Halifax Thunderbirds next on EP one seventy two. Hey, this is Patrick Dodds. You're listening to Lax Class, your source for all things NLL and box across. 
Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified as we move into quarter number two. Jake Elliott, Brad Schellner with you and with us this next interview presented by Rycor Construction. Make it stand out at Rycor. That's what they do at Rycor Construction Inc. on Facebook and Instagram. www.rycorconstruction.ca is their website. And always posting up good content on the socials if you want to see what they're all about. But need a bathroom, a kitchen renovated, flooring, decks, something simple as a fence. Over 15 years of experience in the construction industry, Rycor strives to produce quality craftsmanship and provide an exceptional client experience. Kind of like what we like to do here on Lacrosse Classified. As we welcome... Austin Shanks to the program here. I don't know why my volume is so cranked up right now. Sorry about that. Uh, Austin, big victory for the Halifax Thunderbirds over the weekend, and you were a big part of that. Welcome to Lax Class, man, and uh, feeling pretty good coming off a sock trick, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, it was a great weekend. Yeah, it was, it was nice to be back in Halifax for sure, so that gave us a bit more excitement and energy, so it was cool to get a big win in front of the fans. Talk about the nest a little bit, Austin. I think Pat Patty threw a stat out that I think you've only guys have lost once in regulation in Halifax since you guys moved there a couple years ago. Um, do you think it's got like a Vegas effect on opponents that come in there, guys, teams that want to come in and kind of enjoy the city, and then you know not 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 ready for the game as well as they should be the night after, or what? Douse them with the bad chowder. Yeah, a little bit of half, half and half, I guess. Uh... Like it's an incredible place to play personally for us. So I'm sure it sucks for other people. Um, you know, going, going, I know going into other places uh, beforehand when I was in Roch, like heading to a Calgary or a Buffalo, you know, it's, it's a little, little bit harder to play because they got so many fans and it, it gives them energy, whether you like it or not. Um, but you can, uh, you can also take it away. So it's uh, it can, it can go for your favor or not, but, Halifax personally is one of the, my favorite plates I've, I've ever played a pro game. Our fans have been behind us since the start. Um, like you said, pre and post game, it's just a beautiful place to be. The food's incredible. The people are great. Um, and it's a lot of fun. And they've already started some like East coast maritime traditions back there with the music that they play and kind of the cheers that they do. So it's a really unique experience in that regard as well. But Halifax you guys have gone through a lot of adversity so far this year, Austin, with, you know, the no fans, not being able to play home games, playing in a neutral site arena, playing those games with no fans, um, battled some pretty serious injuries with Cody Jamison, Reese Dutch going down. Stevie Keogh was out for a while. I think you were even out to, to begin the year as well. But through it all, the, the T-Birds have kind of persevered and have found themselves near the top of the Eastern Conferences what do you attribute that to? Is it just been a next man up mentality for you guys? Or is that, you know, just a, a really deep roster and, and every guy can step in and, and produce? Um, again, I think it's both. Um, we do have a very deep roster and that helps a lot. Um, we've had, yeah, some crazy fluke injuries to start the season. Like you said, uh, Jammer was out, Keo, Dutchy. I tore my hamstring in two spots, like four minutes into the first game. Ouch. So I was I was done for six weeks. So the COVID break kind of actually helped me out to get those games back. I would have missed quite a few. Um, so selfishly, it was nice, kind of the break there. Um, 
but yeah, like I think it's just like you said, next man up. But our next man up, we're so deep. Like that first game when I went down and Keel or Jamerson went down, our next guy up was Dutch. Like that's not really a team's yeah. next guy up kind of player, right? Like what? Like what do you like? That's crazy to think about. Um, I think we just added to our defense with Brocky and Bell. We already had a solid core. Uh, someone who's really impressed me that's young on the defensive end this year, uh, Trevor Smith. He's gone real good. And um, every time I see him play, he's, he's making a play that uh, stands out. Um, and then the back end there with Warren, like he's been just a rock consistently. And um, I think that's one of the best things you can ask for. You want a goalie to like steal a game here and there, but he's been so consistent. So we know what we're getting. We're confident with him back there. And um even uh, the rookie Connor uh, Watson. Yeah, he's there, from right? out here, Shanksy, uh, yeah. Langley product. Yeah, and like he went undrafted, so uh, it's also uh, you got to give a knock to Kurt and our coaching staff, uh, putting the players in place that we have and forming the team that they have and allowing the next guys up to be that good and and them scouting that out and seeing what's what we need and uh, I think they've done a great job overall and it's just it's been great. Overall, I think from every aspect, and it's just coming together good, and um, it's allowed us to kind of battle through that adversity. Shout out to Kevin Hill, by the way, the Western scout for the Thunderbirds. He had a good look at Connor Watson, so I had to throw that in there for our buddy, uh, friend really? of the show, Kevin yeah. Hill. But Shanks, Shanksy, um, you know, we got to talk about this because the cameras have been in your guys' face, you know, and it's kind of been it's been unfinished business since the start of the season, and the way that the season is being documented, it's like you know, it's, it's, you guys are, it's there for the taking and they want to document something special happening this year. You know, how much pressure do you guys feel to deliver on that promise on, on Fission's business and give, and give, you know, Halifax Thunderbirds 360 and all the media coverage that's following you guys, the conclusion that everybody wants, like, how do you feel that pressure? Um, I wouldn't say I feel the pressure. Um, it, it's a really cool experience. Um, and they do such a good job of getting everyone involved. Um, so like, I, like, I feel like it hasn't really been in my face or a certain player's face for the whole time. Um, Tyson guy, uh, Charlie Ragusa, um, all those guys on this, on the media staff there, Kyle and Shoby, um, they're just doing a really incredible job of kind of being there like a 360, but I don't feel like it's too much in your face. Um, and the content they're creating is just incredible. Um, it's gotten me better on the camera. I might, uh, take a shot at acting here soon. I've put so much uh, time in, but who knows? Uh, well, I was going to say no. Austin, like we can't forget, we can't speaking of Austin, we can't forget Austin Owens, the big Bugatti there. Um, yes. He, he actually drives up uh, to practice with us. So yeah, I, he's I, un- I can't believe I forgot him. He's, he's a beauty. Yeah, he is unreal. But I would think like you, I didn't really know what to expect. You never really do when you, you invite a guy on a show and, and if he's going to be a talker, or you're going to get one, two word answers and you're a pretty chatty guy, but I would imagine there's some guys on that roster that might not like the spotlight a whole lot. Like we kind of always joke around how elusive Steph LeBlanc has been throughout his career, trying to get sound bites and interviews out of him. But to a man, it seems like almost every guy on that roster has been willing to let the curtain be pulled back a little bit, including coach Akersey getting inside the locker room and team huddles and including jammer for pregame speeches and all that sort of stuff. That's just not something we've ever seen in the national lacrosse league. And I wonder 
if everybody is on board like that, because from the outside looking in, it really seems like you guys are. Honestly, I think if other teams aren't taking notes, uh, they need to hire some new people because it really is. It's it's something exciting during the week too. You know, like NLL is is a bit of a weekend league. So having all that content come out and unravel throughout the week and seeing the results from the game and what, like, I have no idea what people are thinking or saying before the game and these little pre, like you said, pre-interviews and you get a really in-depth look at our players, our coaching staff, behind the scenes stuff that you don't get in all much leagues at all. Really. I think NHL does a good job um with like the the heritage game and uh i think the leafs do a, uh like kind of like a 360 to one year so uh, i'll allow know, one leaf comment on here per show that's <laughs> it <laughs> the boys are rolling but again like you, you got to be taking notes and if, if you're not looking into doing this soon then i think you uh it's crazy not to uh it's, it's fun it's fun to be a part of I think one thing I can definitely add though is winning helps. Sure. Um, yeah. I know after that Albany game and there's a camera in my face, I kind of wanted to smack it out, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's part of the game. Like you can't, you can't just be there for the highs. Right. So they, they're, they're, they're documenting win or lose and good or bad. So um, the, uh, I think it's, it's helpful that we are doing, we are being so successful. Talk about that that Albany game because it was, it was funny. Like they even stole a clip from this podcast. Jumbo and I kind of ripping in the Halifax Thunderbirds after that game, and then there it is on Halifax three sixty. And then the post game um, after that, and the, and the words from Mike Kersey. Like, was that kind of a turning point in your guys' season? Kind of a, a reality check of where your bar needs to be and how you guys need to be playing. Yeah, um, absolutely. Like anytime you lose, you, you got to learn from it, right? If if you make a stink of it and don't look at the film and don't analyze it, then you're just doing yourself a disfavor. Um, so like that offense coming out for 30 minutes, not scoring a goal. Our only goal is in transition. Um, that, that, that was a bit of a shakeup for us. And like, Hey, well, we can't, we can't rely on skill. Like we're, we're a hardworking gritty team and we get good chances and good offense because we work so hard. So I think it was, um, it was a bit of a wake up call and, and maybe we needed it or not, but uh, I know I'm definitely excited for the next time we play Albany. And just to bring it around full circle, like this whole 360 thing has kind of turned Eric Vanell into a, a bit of a star here. He really seems to shine in front of the camera and he is just one of a handful of former Ohio, the Ohio state Buckeyes Shanksy and uh, Tell me if I'm missing anybody, but you got Tarafenko, you got Fennell, you got yourself, you got Withers. Am I missing anybody there? I think that's that's all the boys there. Yeah. We, we were close to picking up Pearson there. He's right. on firefighting right now. So, yeah. Uh, well, and something you're doing as well. But that, that connect there really seems to be a, a big time connection between Ohio State and the Halifax Thunderbirds. And I don't know. We've had Coach Myers on here a couple of times, and he's well plugged into the Canadian summer lacrosse circuit. But I don't know how tight he is with Kurt or who his connection is uh, towards Halifax. But can you come up with a reason why, besides being really good players, Halifax seems to go looking for Ohio State guys? Um, I think it just kind of worked out that way. Like uh, Rochester had in our draft there, the, the one, five and six. So I think that's pretty rare. And I think that's, we're, we're pretty solid elite class there at Ohio state all coming in at the same time. So definitely helps And Ohio state. Just kind of, they, they get, they get really good Canadians to go there. 
guys like Jesse King, Logan Shuss, Turner Evans, some really big name guys in the NLL right now um, have all gone there. So I think it's a, it's a, a nod to Myers who's recruiting well um, and teams kind of picking up on that and trying to scoop him up in the draft early. What'd you learn from coach Myers? We, Jake and I both absolutely have all the time in the world for that guy. He's been on the show numerous times and we loved hearing him talk lacrosse. What did you take away from, from coach? Um, honestly, the most I took away from him was, uh, how important, uh, my health, like, uh, working out and my diet and all that has such a big factor. Uh, my, actually my first fall there, I transferred in my junior year with Fennell. I think I lost 23 pounds in like four months there and put on a lot of muscle and it really changed my game. Um, I wasn't huge into the gym and wasn't a big, uh, athlete kind of type player and, not that I am a huge athlete now, but I take my athletics, my diet a lot more serious than I ever have. And that's, uh, that's because of how, how hard he came down on me and kind of said, Hey, like this is, if you want to get to that next level, you're a good player right now. But if you want to be great, uh, you got, you got to work on everything you get. You're not going to get by in, in the big 10 or anywhere near the NLL with the way you are now. And, um, he, he was right. Like it, it really helped my game. Speaking with Austin Shanks, Halifax Thunderbirds. And I don't know if that last performance was your best as a pro or not Austin, but it was impressive. Nonetheless, putting up six and, you know, you mentioned not a big gym guy kind of back in the day and, and, I want to say, was it 2013 you guys won the Minto out in Queens Park? Yes, sir. Yeah, like that team is just littered with NLL guys <laughs> right now. Like crazy, crazy littered with NLL guys. And you can go up and down that roster, have a look at it. I'm not going to name it all off. But it, it widely gets re- compared to the 2010 Coquitlam team with the amount of pro players that are still in the league. From That... That team back there, Austin, that really kind of set your career on on the trajectory where it is now, being surrounded with all those guys, having the success that you did, and and having the coaching and all the rest of it. Those junior days in Whitby were a lot of fun for you. Yeah, and there's two things I can play to that is the players around me definitely made me better. Uh, Playing with guys like Dan Littner, Curtis Knight, uh, had a couple games with Matthews and those guys. Um, O'Connor, the Hossacks, yeah, like it. Hossacks, we had Cerchetti's, we had uh, Buki, Higgins, like you go on and on. It's crazy. We're, I think, scratching at some points, guys in the NLL right now. Uh, We had John Lafontaine, like captains and assistant captains all over the league, and guys who have won MVP, Tutton, both Tuttons, (laughs) both Hossacks, like craziness. But I think every one of those guys will all say it is uh, Keenan made us so good. So he just made us better humans. Like he made us really good people on and off the floor, but taught us so much uh, lacrosse. Like he he will go down as my favorite and most uh, instrumental coach I've ever had. Um, Even like I, I still text him to this day and say, thank you for stuff all the time. And, wish him happy birthdays like he he was so instrumental to my game and um really instilled box across and how to win into me yeah and and Austin, like i don't think people that haven't been around Derek really understand like how funny he is how laid back he is how you know like how personable he is they always just kind of see the 
the icy stare from the bench. There's not a lot of communication going on while things are happening. It's a couple of words here and there. But the man knows how to get the most out of his players, and that's been proven time and time again. Everywhere he goes, he wins. And like you said, it's because he gets the best out of his guys. He instills winning championships, and he does it by just hard work. Um, and he's just so smart. Like, I remember we'd play, like, we'd be, like, 10 minutes into a game, and we'd have a whole system set up to do. It wasn't working, and he would just switch it and be like, hey, let's start doing this. Bang, goal, 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 or stop them or transition. Like, <laughs> And McComb, same thing with him, too. Hey, Austin, like, he can absolutely adjust on the fly with the best of them. Yeah, he, and he's always been there. He knows Keenan's system, and um, he's been a mentor or mentored by Keenan for so long. It's going to rub off eventually, right? And uh, Bubs was awesome in junior. He was the old coach there, so we talked a ton, too. Like you, you said the best right there is Keenan gets the best out of his guys, uh, no matter where he is. And if you everywhere he goes, he wins. Like Whippy was barely making playoffs. I don't even if know if they were before he came with very good players on the team. Once he came in, I think they won two Mintos, hosted one while he was yeah. there for his only like six or seven years. I think we forgot to mention Ryan Keenan on that team. <laughs> I mentioned him. Okay, I mentioned okay, him. Okay, okay. Okay. He's my good buddy because we grew up we're the same age, so he, he's, he was always there with me. Um, how was your summer out west in, in 2019? Hey, coming back? What's you going, going on? Yeah, you get, get, a, get a taste enough to come back one day or what? I would love to. I'd play every summer out there, but uh, I, I'm a full-time firefighter now, so I, I can't get out anymore. Um, I'm hoping maybe um, kind of do the couple game system, head back home, and then do the playoffs. Yeah, guys um, have done that. that. Lots of guys have that done that. That was my funnest uh, summer of lacrosse, other than winning a Minto and Juniors that I've ever played. Um, the guys out there, the team, it's such a good team environment. We would have team outings like golf and i would just be at home uh daryl robertson came down with me one of my good buddies here he was also on those warrior teams with me he's on new york um we he came down with me and we got a house uh they set us up with the house a car and um it would just be an off day and we get a text from teammates all the time like wanting to hang out and they, logan shust does a really good job uh with that new west organization of keeping it real close-knit uh family-like and um like I showed up and got brand new shoes, bag, helmet, gloves. It, it felt like a pro team. It was crazy. Yeah, the Bellies never experienced anything like that in senior. The Bellies do it like no other. There's no question about that. A uh, couple more minutes here with Austin Shanks of the Halifax Thunderbirds, and I want to take it back to Halifax here, Shanks. And and you know, coming into the season, looking at the roster, and you you had Dutch and Keel and Bushy and you and. The list went on, and I, I think it was I, I had a Kersey on. I said, like, how are you going to get all these guys into the lineup and, and have success and touches and get their shots and all the rest of it? And I didn't think it was going to be possible with the amount of bodies and talented ones at that on that side of the floor. But you guys have seen to find a way to make it work there with, with, with all those guys. Yeah, and I think that goes, like, I find the righties and lefties we, were really starting to come together. Um, we kind of struggled early on about like it kind of was ending up on one side, just kind of scoring all the goals, whether it was the righties or lefty that night didn't matter. It kind of ended up on one side, but that, that comes with chemistry too over time. Like you said, 
we, we've had, I think we're six and one. I think we've had seven different O lineups uh, with injuries, um, rookies coming in and doing well. It's hard to take out a rookie, but it's hard to sit a vet. Um, so we've had a lot of uh, different rosters and they've all done pretty well. So he, of course, he's handled that pretty well because that is tough. Like you didn't even mention Clark and yeah, well, there you player. go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's like, the thing, right? He's been awesome. It's though, a long man. list. He's so young still, so it it's uh, it's it's good. It's the best problem to have, right? It's it is a problem, but it's the best problem to have. Yeah. Hey, Austin, man, uh, great job here. And just so you know, I'll, I'll give it away. I'm taking the T Birds here in the fourth quarter to take down Georgia. And uh, listen. You know, you come on lax class, you usually get a good uh, little bump of karma for doing it. So uh, go out there, have yourself another big one come this weekend, and best of luck the rest of the way. Awesome. Thank you very much for having me, and it was a joy. Appreciate it. There he is, Austin Shanks, Brad. And, uh, I like, I always try and compare players to other players, but Austin Shanks has such a unique game that I really, like, I, I struggle to find a guy from yesteryear that I can compare him to, but I'll tell you this, like when he gets off early and his shot is on, you can bet your bottom dollar. He's going to have a big night. Yeah. And we had, we had a similar, same conversation about, um, about Connor Robinson a couple weeks ago. Like there's not really a lot of guys you can describe his game at either. Right. Like these guys both like to get dirty. They're not afraid of the contact inside. They got wicked outside shots. And I think, you know, for me, my favorite thing about Austin Shanks is the guy looks like he has fun when he plays lacrosse, right? Yeah. And that is that is super important. You can score a goal and go to the bench smiling and fire up your teammates. Um, that's contagious. And I think that's spread around that whole Halifax atmosphere, right? You see Cody Jameson looking like he's having more fun this year than he's than he's had in a long time. And the boys are always just smiling. I think that uh, that's led by, by Austin Shanks. I mean, yeah, what a weekend last week. And I got to correct you though. They got uh, the Philadelphia wings. Oh, my bad. Did I say Georgia? I said Georgia, didn't I? Yeah, Georgia all good. But yeah, they beat up on Philly. Uh, Well, there was a late come from behind victory actually to get over Philly. Yeah, I was looking um, at week 12, not week 13. All good, all good, all good. So yeah, we'll still break that taking down them. Before, still taking them. Philadelphia. Well, yeah, it's Philly's in Philly's in tough right now, man. They still haven't beaten a team over five hundred. They're yeah. still getting picked on by Halifax and Toronto and, and Buffalo. So I don't know. Is it is it turnaround time? Uh, I don't know. They, they got save, a home, they got a home game for a while. They've been, yeah. they've been okay at home. So yeah, we'll have to see how it goes. All right, man. Uh, excellent interview there with one Austin Shanks of the T-Birds. Of course, brought to you by Rycor Construction. Two quarters down, halftime here on Lax Class. We're coming back for the third quarter. And no guest here in quarter number three. We're going to deliver our NLL midseason awards. Might even get Evan Scheminer on for this sucker, I think, as well. So stay tuned. Coming back, quarter three, episode 172. Back after this. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Patrick Merrill, GM and head coach of the San Diego Seals. You're listening to Locks Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and Fox Across. 
Welcome back to Lax Class into the second half of action. We go here on EP 172. Jay Kelly, Brad Schellner, and oh, I got to do this first. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Back on the podcast here for quarter number three as we bring you our mid-season awards. Uh, tell you about Associated Labels and Packaging before we get started on that as well. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service, over 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment. Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level, and a lot of these players are taking their game to the next level here, Brad, as we hand out our Lax Class mid-season awards after 12 weeks of action in the National Lacrosse League. Yeah, and this is spun off of uh, the Lacrosse Flash article that, uh, is it out now? It's out now. You can find it on lacrosseflash.com, but group of writers, uh, we collaborated to to put together the mid-season awards. I'm going to admit that some of the guys that I picked, you know, two or three weeks ago when we did this list have already changed based on what's Same transpired Same in the National Lacrosse here. League over the last couple. So we'll leave it at that. But let's start with our uh, our MVP through the first half of the season. Um, I originally said Lyle Thompson, and he could very still well be at the end of the season, but where the Seals are right now and with what Ryan Lee's doing, I think it would be pretty special to see the young Western kid from RIT or the young kid playing in the West from RIT win an MVP award. Cause he's absolutely looting realist. He's absolutely leading one of the best offenses in the national lacrosse league right now. And is their floor general in a remarkable way? Evan. I still got Dane Doby. And of course he hasn't played since we last had the opportunity to, to, to visit these awards, but Here's a guy that came onto a new team, slightly different system, and has just taken over that team. I mean, there was enough offensive power there on its own. But, you know, Casey Jackson's been missing on that side. No problem. Dane's been filling the net. Uh, if there's one guy that is that instrumental to his, his team's success, I think the Seals would probably lose two or three additional games a season without him. That's why I still got Dane Doby as the MVP. Yeah, I, I had Dane Doby down, but the way that Ryan Lee has continued his pace, like I, I didn't think he would be able to keep up what he is, what, like what he started to do at the beginning of the year, but he has done that and then some. And there's no way Colorado is six and two without Ryan Lee in their lineup. And no signs of slowing down for this kid who again just proves beyond a shadow that it doesn't matter the body type that you have when it comes to playing the sport of lacrosse. Sean Evans, Dane Doby, or whether you're Dan Dawson or whoever, you can get it done with the frame that you got, and Ryan Lee is living proof of that. The kid just continues to impress me game after game after game. Ryan Lee is my mid-season MVP. Yeah, where do you guys stand on the the MVP coming from, like, a non-playoff team? No. Like, let's, no, say, let's no. say Georgia misses, but Lyle leads the league in goals and points. No. 
it's tough. The one thing I would like to see a change in the awards, the PLL does this, the NLL doesn't, is they have an actual separate award for attackman of the year. And then you can go and assess who's the most valuable player. And I think that's something that might need to change. Well, they could have a scoring race award. Like if you win the scoring title, I'm good with that. But doesn't or top mean top forward. Yeah. I, I mean, that's the scoring title, essentially, right? Well, um, it doesn't have to be. Well, I think it is, though. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think you're the top forward if you're not the scoring champion. So I like to have an award for that, but that doesn't mean you're the MVP. Can't be the yeah. MVP on a non-playoff team. No, I no, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say you can within within reason. Like if you if if, if Lyle like wills them to losing on the final weekend and losing the playoff spot, I think there's a chance. Hell, we see the National Lacrosse or the National Hockey League handed out to Connor McDavid every year and uh the others haven't won a playoff series or gotten in the playoffs for yeah. for a long time. So and I don't like it. So it. Like look at Aaron Rodgers was the MVP and he didn't make it past the first round. Like it it happens in other sports. I like I don't think I don't like it. You're like Callum Crawford on a one and seven team. I don't care if you like it or not. It's just I'm telling you how I feel and I think a guy can miss the playoffs by a slim margin. Like you're not on a, you're not on a one and eight expansion team and you're the only right side option and you're blowing teams out every night um, and winning the MVP. I don't think, I think you have to be valuable to the team and get them to a point of contention. I don't care that, that you don't happen. care how I feel. It's just a little surly here in segment yeah. number three. What, uh, what happened to the jumbo We're, here? I don't know. Okay. Defensive, defensive player of the year. Jake Elliott, who you got? Oh, uh, man. Uh, Brett Minsky is my defensive player of the year. And say what you want. I know where my bread is buttered if you want to go down that road. But even if I wasn't Vancouver's announcer, what Brett Minsky is doing for the five and three Warriors right now is finally getting the shine and the spotlight that he so desperately deserved while he was in Saskatchewan, but got overshadowed by the likes of Corbeil and Rubish and Cornwall and all the rest of it. Brett Mitski is an absolute black hole on defense who just swallows up offensive players and makes, again, like an offensive player that can make everybody around him better. That's what Brett Mitski does on defense. And that's not even mentioning the leadership and experience and all the rest of it. Just his on-floor play defensively, he is my player of the year. Yeah, I agree with you, actually, on Mitski. And the thing about it is, for defender of the year, the if you don't get hurt, your name doesn't get hurt, you've probably done your job, right? That's the difficult part of being the top defender. And with Mitski, his name was never hurt in Saskatchewan, but it was never... Uh, Oh my God, can you believe Mitski did that? He was never out of position, right? And when he gets to Vancouver now, you take a look at the the switch that Vancouver has made. It's two things. They they are not being out loose balled by 20 like they used to be anymore. Now they're it's the flip side of that transaction. And they're not giving away simple shots. You know, they're so yeah, it is Mitski. I mean, the cyborg made a bit of a case this weekend, but I still go with Mitski. Bradley. Yeah, I like it. I like it for all those same reasons. I you know, I talked to Chris Gill this week and he's like, Brett Mitski doesn't get beat one on one. Like it just doesn't happen. He thinks he's one of the best players on the planet right now. And I, it is nice that he's out of that shadow. Um honorable you know, mention to Brad Cree. I was going to say, I'll mention to Brad Creed and I'll mention to Steve Priolo and Hosick, who's starting to turn his game around. I think he had a his expectation is just so high now, winning a few in a row. 
and everybody wants him just to be beating the crap out of everybody every night. And we're starting to see that. I think it was a, it just took a few games to get Hossick going. I know it's always tough for Western guys to get votes on league awards too. So don't be surprised if it's, if it's career Hossick or Priola would be my three honorables, but uh, I'm right there with Minsky for you guys too. Let's move along to uh transition player of the year. Jake Elliott, who you got? I got uh, my Coquitlam boy, Challen Rogers of the Toronto rock down here. This, this was a tough one between courier messenger Rogers, but for me, it's Challen Rogers. What, when he just like, whatever you need him to do, he is going to do for your team, run the power play, play a regular offensive shift, be a shutdown defender, clear the ball, kill penalties, lose balls. And he's the captain of the Toronto Rock. And I, as good of a year as Zach Curry, this is where I look at Toronto's record and I look at Calgary's record, and that's the deciding factor for me. It's Challen Rogers. Yeah, this is an interesting year where you've got three guys who really have now been pushed into completely different roles than what they're accustomed to. you got Courier, who's now had to take a number of face-offs. That's completely different. Challen have to go out the front door. Mike Messenger, both face-offs and have to go out the front door when he's needed. I'm still on the Messenger train here. Uh, and this is thinking back across his entire body of work when he was so impressive early in the year. It's close, but this guy is still one of those guys who you've got to have your head on a swivel when he's playing defense because he's going to knock you through the boards. He went 22 for 26 in face-offs in that game in Colorado, which is ridiculous. And he's good for an offensive goal or two here and there. So overall body of work, I'm still going messenger, but it's close. Yeah, I, I like messenger. Like when I think of messengers this year, he almost sealed it for me last week in Colorado when, you know, they're down by one. They're, you know, they're down by two late in that game. And he's just like, you know, this is my time now. I'm going to win this face off. I'm going to take it right up the gut. And I'm going to score a goal and I'm going to go right back face off and let's try to do it again. He can take over a game like that. And then almost sealed it for me too when he was put out the O gate for that, for the two games there, that two game stretch. And it's like, okay, now they're trying to do with, with Mike's messenger what they were doing with, uh, with Challenge Rogers in Toronto. Let's just clear some real estate for Robert Church. So he's done a lot. Um, my vote right now is going to go for Zach Courier, though, based on the last few weeks that he's had like that. You talk about the face of a franchise right now. Calgary has not been healthy. They've missed people on every aspect of the floor. He's been there through every game and sort of been their, their heartbeat. He's done everything, taken face off, scored big goals, causing turnovers. He's become better in his, in his defensive zone. And there's not a faster guy on the run in the National Lacrosse League. So I got to go with Zach Courier. Sucking up to the president all, of the PLPA. I see what you're doing there. Okay. All three of us uh, differing on that one there. Um, goaltender of the year. Jake Elliott, who you got? <laughs> This is in quarter four, but I don't mind it. Um, Matt Vince, seven to why not eight? I mean, he's won seven already. He's been just like getting better as he gets older. It seems like Buffalo, one of the best teams in the league. He's going to give you a chance to win every single night. Frankie Shiliano, I think needs a lot of mention here as well, but just doesn't have the same sample size at the midway mark here. And I know he's held teams to four goals twice, which is bonkers. But for me, it's still Matt Vince. Yeah, the tough thing for me with Frank Ciliano is is the sample size and also 
his past history of having a bad second half of the year. As the season well, goes this along. is mid-season awards here, Evan. Mid-season. True enough. The guy that I had Matt Vince down a week ago, I still got him there, but just by a hair over Dylan Ward. Now, after what Dylan Ward did last weekend, now it's kind of a, okay, let's consider this at this point, but it's still Matt Vince. Let's put it this way. I've heard various debates over the last couple of years about the goat and goal, but there's, there's no question who it is. It's Matt Vince. Yeah, Whipperham might have a couple more rings, but he was on some pretty phenomenal teams. And for Vince to do what he's doing at his age, that I don't know if we'll ever see anything like that happen again. I think it's Vince. He's got seven wins, a shutout fourth quarter again last week. That one's a pretty easy vote for me. Warren Hill. Uh, Warren Hill needs. Yeah, honorable honorable oh. mention to Warren Hill for sure. We talked about him in the first segment and with Shanksy there. Um, he's yeah, he could be right up there at the end of the season depending on where these two teams end up finishing too. So again, mid-season award, Vino, honorable mention. But it's just award. bonkers right now. How many goaltenders are under 10? Yeah. I mean, Boogie, you could throw Boogie in there as well. Yeah, yeah, his, yeah his, his, he's under 10 and his save, uh, his goals, his save percentage is above eight. There's like five or six goalies that are starters that have save percentages above 800, which is a phenomenal I'm not mistaken, even Adam shoots under 10. Well, record matters, boys. Record matters. Yeah. What else you got, Brad? Rookie, rookie of the year. Me? Yeah. It's another warrior. It's rebowering. Uh, and, like, this was midseason here, and I know Tate missed a couple of games, and he's starting to rack points up. But from game number one to week number 13 here, I don't think we can underestimate what rebowering has done in his rookie season. It's been just miraculous, the impact that he has on this team. And it's not just the loose balls. It's the defensive matchups. It's the transition. He's got what? Five, six goals here already. And he's just like, he just, he's everywhere on the lacrosse floor. He's my rookie of the year. And I think like, if he keeps up what he has done through the first half, I don't think it's going to matter what Jeff T does. So rebowering for me. I'm the one dissenting voice in the entire lax team on this one in that it, for me, it's still Jeff T and it's the six plus points a night. He had one double digit already. The kid's phenomenal. He's going to continue to be phenomenal. He's exactly what we expected. Maybe that's part of the problem. Part of it is the two games he missed because he was on COVID protocol. But the fact that Jeff T is being Jeff T and Maybe it's what we expect, and that's why we're even we're not blown away like we were with rebowering. But rebowering is fabulous. I still got Teat ahead. Of him. I'll say this, Brad, before you jump in about Jeff Teat. Like I, <clears throat> I almost feel like being the number one overall pick. I have like this feeling that everyone wants Jeff Teat to be the rookie of the year, be the poster child, and the face of the league. You know. So I don't know if that sways when it comes time to vote, whether that bias plays a factor or not. But again, I go back to it. Riptide, one and seven, Vancouver, five and three. Records matter to me. And that's another reason why I think it's rebounding. I don't think it matters as much in this regard. And you took the take out of my mouth. I was going to say, will win Teat, should win Bowering, because yeah. I just think that's exactly how the votes are going to go. Uh, the only thing I'll add on Bowering, because you guys have covered it up so well, is that he's just been such a seamless 
fit to that team. Like he doesn't look like a rookie. He doesn't make a lot of rookie mistakes out there. He doesn't get beat a ton. He's not fumbling around. Like he knows exactly. He's playing like a poised veterans game. He knows how to track a loose ball and knows his exit. He's not, doesn't turn over once he gets it. He's not making any bad mistakes out there. And that's what makes it uh, pretty impressive for me. Final one we'll do here before we move on coach of the year at the halfway point. Uh, Jake Elliott, who you got? Ah, man, this this is a tough one here. Like I, like I think Micah Kersey's done a heck of a job. I think John Tavares has done a heck of a job. I think Chris Gill has done a heck of a job. But I think it's Pat Merrill for me. Like, to get the wins with two baby-faced rookie goaltenders, and I know he's got a star-studded lineup here, but you still have to make it work. And I think Patrick Merrill and that San Diego coaching staff have done an exceptional job so far this season. I don't see him slowing down. So I'm going to give it to the mad dog here. Pat Merrill, Billy Greer, Josh Sanderson, and the aforementioned Whipper Watson now part of that staff as well. So I know it's just, you know, the one guy gets the coat, but to me it's the entire staff and it's the San Diego Seals and Pat Merrill. I had, I had a debate on this when I had two guys in buying. It's like, okay, I'm going to take the one that you don't. And so since you took Pat Merrill, I'm going to take Chris Gill. Simple fact of the matter is when I look at where I had these teams in my preseason rankings, I had Vancouver 13th on my preseason rankings. And this is not a, you've got one guy with an extraordinary effort making this Vancouver Warriors team work. It is a group effort. Everybody chipping in, a lot of injuries, guys coming up, you know, and you they lost their MVP and they're still winning. Yeah. So that's got a lot to say. So for me, it's Chris Gill. You better not be picking Vancouver this weekend, Evan, giving all this <laughs> praise to the Warriors here. I'm telling you right now, don't do it. Yeah, they're, they're doing fine. They're doing fine without you right now, uh, Evan, but uh, nice butt kissing there. No, I'm with you and for a couple of different. So coach of the year to me is almost something like, who does the most takes a with team yeah, the with less and yeah, gets who does more. the most with the least. And right now I think Chris Dill's doing that a little bit better than, than Patrick Merrill is. Cause I think Patrick Merrill has a superstar proven offense. They've got great goaltending. They've got a, a, a good defensive core too. And the adversity that Vancouver has been through over the last few weeks. And based on what we've seen from Vancouver in, in history, even pre warriors, it's just, you know, when like the first couple goals, went in after Fryer and there was almost a thought in my head that went, uh oh, like it's gonna be a long night. Yeah, because first shot five in. years, five years ago it would have been, yeah, right? Yeah. But that's not they've totally flushed that out of their system now. Mind you, almost everybody's gone. And then Jumbo, you make the good coin about being the bench effort, but what Curtis Hodgson has done with that Vancouver back end has been yep. night and day difference from what it's been in the past, the way that those guys are buying in right now. So I'm with, uh, I'm with Evan on the Chris. Well, Gale listen, trip. I took Minsky. I took Bowering. If I take Gill, there's going to be some eyebrows raised and some people looking sideways out of their mouth and all the rest of it. So I don't mind the pick of Chris Gill and Caleb Toth and Curtis Hodgson one bit. I just didn't want to go down that road. hope you can understand. Is that it? Are we done? That's it. All right. Congratulations to all our unofficial lacrosse classified midseason awards winner. We'll obviously uh, have those picks ready to go at the end of the year and see how accurate we were and how accurate we'll be 
come playoff time. One more quarter to go here on Lax Glass. Who you got in Lax Glass locks? Right around the corner here on EP172. We're back after this. Hey, this is Corey Small. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and box across. And now it's time for Who You Got. Welcome back to Lax Class. We're into the final frame, which means no more breaks. Thanks for hanging with us. Jake Elliott, Brad Schellner, Evan Sheminar with you as we're into the fourth quarter. Who you got? Lax Class Locks is all coming up here. But before we get to that, Evan... Well, actually, no. I'm gonna. Well, no, yeah, I'm gonna say this. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Send down a review, five stars only, please, and give us a follow on social media while you're at it. At Lax Class, at Lacrosse Classified, Facebook page, Lacrosse Classified at gmail.com is the email. At Brad Chow, at PXP for Sports, at Shem Lax is how you can follow all of us. And I know we mentioned last week that we were going to have a little special announcement. Uh, we're going to postpone that for one more week. But we got some new things coming down the cooker here that uh, I think is going to be a, a nice little added bonus to the podcast. That's all I'm going to say about it right now. So do all that. And once you're done, get ready because it's time for Who You Got. It's time once again to play favorite podcast game. Who you got? Oh yes, uh, boys and girls, there it is. You get a little rocky theme music in there once again. Why, you might ask? Well... Once again, fellas, uh, a perfect week for yours truly, going six for six. Not only did I do that, but also nailed the tiebreaker right on the nose of 22. Unfortunately, much to my dismay, I find out that that is not good enough for the outright victory here in week 12 Six for six, nailed the tiebreaker, and I still have to wait my fortunes of Evan Schemenauer and his wife Tracy, who are now on camera as we are recording, as Evan has the hat from Stampede Tack and Western Wear. He's got the papers with the names on it. How many pieces of paper are going into this hat right now? Two. Two. Me and four, Two. what was it, week 10 winner, Rob Mason... Oh, also going six for six and nailing the tiebreaker at 22. 17 people go six and oh. 17. Tiebreakers matter. Tiebreakers matter. Danny, Danny was uh, one of the six, uh, six okay. for six this week. So Jumbo's holding his breath right now. Tracy, and remember, Brad's buying you a dinner this weekend if you, if you pick Rob's name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go, Tracy. Pick it out of there. Here we go. Uh oh, here we go. Oh my god. Oh my god. Hey, that just proves there's no pandering going on here for the hosts of the show. It all comes down. 
we we might have to do the rest of the talking here. I don't know if he can he'll be able to talk the rest of the he's shit. Out. He's out. <laughs> hey, Jumbo's got enough free shit from Stampede Tackle. Uh, it's not show. about the prize, Challenger. It's about the crown and being the weekly winner. I know you've done that once. I had a chance to do it twice right there. No Christmas card for Mrs. Schemenauer this year. Uh <laughs> Congratulations, Rob Mason. You have won again by the skin of your teeth. I was robbed a second time here. Congratulations, Rob. You win this week's who you got. Uh, all right. Well, at least I get to host this week because, once again, guys, in case you weren't listening, six for six, nailed the tiebreaker. So I get to host this week. Are we ready to go? Well, am I allowed to pick Vancouver this week? No. There's a certain there's a certain GM who does not want me no, to pick I'm Vancouver. Not, this week. Uh, not gonna allow it. <laughs> not gonna, especially after that, getting shafted out of the hat once again. All right, let's get her going here. Saturday, February 26, 7 30 p.m. Eastern time from the city of brotherly love. Five and three, or no, excuse me, five and five Philadelphia Wings. Six and one. Halifax Thunderbirds. Philly yet to beat, there's Brad's little nugget here, yet to beat a team with better than a 500 record. Just putting that out there right here. Halifax, Philadelphia, Brad, who you got? Halifax trending in the right direction right now. All pieces of their game are rolling. I know Philly's back at home um, where they felt comfortable, but a Saturday night game, don't think it's going to make a difference. I think the Halifax Thunderbirds roll down there with all their confidence right now and take a win. In Philly, pretty confident. Give it to my eight game. Eight. Ooh, I'm not as confident as you, but yeah, exact same reasons. Halifax for four. I got Halifax myself for the number four as well. So I like where you're going with that, Evan. Let's move along. Same start time, same day as well. Toronto back on the road here. Back to back games coming up against this team. Toronto finding their groove at six and three. Riptide still searching for theirs at one and seven. Evan, who you got? As much as the Riptide have been close in a number of games, Toronto's found their stride. This should be pretty simple for them. I just don't trust the defense and the goaltending there in New York yet. Toronto for seven. Brad Chowder, who you got? Tom, Tom Schreiber's homecoming mm. game. Friends and family down from. Long Island, I think, to come check this one out. Toronto, for the same reason, Halifax. I think those teams are just, and we'll talk about Buffalo in a second here, but those are three teams that are all just cruising right now and all playing against teams that are beneath them this weekend. All six games on Saturday night this weekend, too. So it's going to be fun to flip around between those two games. Give me the Toronto Rock over the Riptide with a seven. That's what I got as well. Seven for the Toronto Rock. And I'm not... I'm not picking the Riptide until they win another game. Okay, so just be forewarned. Warning issued there to the Riptide. Don't don't expect a pick coming my way until you put a, another W in the win column. And it may be tough because they got back-to-back Toronto now, which, you know, it's not getting any easier there for the Riptide. Saturday, 8 o'clock Eastern time start. Buffalo, 7-1, on the road. Third meeting of the season already here between these two clubs. Buffalo's won them both, but they haven't been easy against the Nighthawks, who I believe are coming off a win their last outing. I can't quite remember. 
Uh, three and five Nighthawks here at home to the Bandits. Brad Chowner. Who you got? I just teased it a second ago. Buffalo Bandits. There's nothing getting in the way right now. And it sure is not going to be the Rochester Nighthawks. This will be a sweep of the, the what is it? The I-95 rivalry? I-90. Yeah, I-90. I-90 yeah. between the two highways. Yeah, there's Buffalo has just been playing lights out. Besto probably in the league. Best goaltender probably in the league. And they're humming right now. This is my sixth game. It's actually my eighth game in this one. And... Yeah, exactly. Buffalo's cruising. Rochester has only had luck literally against Albany and New York, I believe, are the three wins this year. Pretty simple game for the Bandits, an eight. Bandits for a five for me. I think they get the sweep here. I'm undecided on whether this is going to be like a tight one-two goal game or whether Buffalo is just going to put the boots to him here. Either way, I'm taking the Bandits for a five. 9.30 Eastern start time here for this one. Down there, Fort Worth, Texas. Yeah, actually, it's an 8.30. That is incorrect. On okay, thank you for that. Junkie. 8.30, yeah. so 5.30 Pacific time. I like it. Vancouver taking on Panther City for the third time this year. Chance to sweep that season series. 5-3, and 1-8 and eight, Panther City. Came close last week, but Roughnecks get done. Brad. No, Evan, who you got? Sorry, Dan Richardson. There is no oh. way I am taking Panther City in this one. Not a chance. Uh, it's Vancouver for a six. Brad? Vancouver with a five. I'm just working. My my pick weights are all just working their way down this week. I started eight. I'm going to end with three. It's been a pretty easy, uh, pretty easy run through. But yeah, Vancouver Warriors, again, they're all these teams that we're picking right now are coming off of wins. They're all hot. Um, and Vancouver against a one and eight Panther City team with the way that they're playing, I think it's going to be uh, PCLC. Give me a top Warriors with a five. Warriors for a six for me. Uh, I've taken them every week. They're five and three. They could easily be six and two if they didn't blow that Colorado game, which I still think back to. Uh, but give me the Warriors here for a six. No question about it. I know a win is coming for that Panther City team sooner or later, but hopefully for the Warriors' sake, not this week. Uh, Evan, 9.30 start time for this one, or is that wrong? 8.30 as well. Okay, 8.30 start time. So stacking up here, I might have to go buy myself another iPad for week 13. But the return leg of the home and home here as Colorado makes the trip to Saskatoon. I heard Andy Lindhall on the broadcast saying, well, it might be nice to go to Saskatoon next weekend because it's going to be really cold here in Colorado. And I just shook my (laughs) head like, you have absolutely no idea where Saskatoon is, what kind of weather is there, like just no clue whatsoever. Because, Evan, tell me what the weather is going to be like in Saskatoon this week. Uh, what was it? I'm trying to remember the forecast, but it was something in the range of the with the wind chill is going to be about minus twenty. Yeah, uh, daytime and about minus thirty four at night. Yeah. It's not that in Colorado. I can tell you that for certain. But six and two mammoth heading to Toontown to take on the two and six Saskatchewan Rush. Brad Chowner, who you got? I could totally see this going the way that the Calgary and Colorado series did. I think Colorado played phenomenally. I think Saskatchewan probably had one of their best games of the year. Can take some learning experience from it. 
go home and try to win at home and get back in the win column. Give me the rush with a four. Mm. It's also the TSN game of the week. Mm-hmm. Evan, who you got? <laughs> I'm glad Brad's got faith in the rush because I don't. And I, I, one thing I'm going to really watch. You're not going to be able to show your face at the hotel. Well, you know what, though? You can't really go to the hotel no, with the just, players, right? Yeah, so that's the pro- they first won't thing. Forget. They won't forget. They won't forget. But honestly, it, it'll be interesting to see either this week or next week whether Derek Keenan starts to look at the season and says it's time to restock those first-round draft pick covers because Buffalo's got two. Toronto's got their sitting there a year from now. I guarantee you there's a couple guys that are going to be free agents that they're looking to. If the rush lose this one, he probably does pull the trigger, but it's, I've this will put this one as my three game for now, but I've got the mammoth four or three. They've actually had some pretty good success in Saskatchewan over the years. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is, but I'm kind of with Brad on this that I just feel like Saskatchewan is going to win this game one way or the other, whether they grind out, a low-scoring affair, 10-9, 10-8, or whether the offense just erupts and they put up 13-14 and out, outscore Colorado that way. I'm giving only a three here, but I am taking the Saskatchewan rush this weekend. A little surprising that I'm, I've, I've got four road teams to start off the weekend, and I just don't think it's going to – like. there's going to be some home wins in there. So – Saskatchewan is my pick this week for three. One more game to go. It is a 7 o'clock Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern start from Pachanga. San Diego Seals get back in action as they take on the 4-6 and six Albany Firewolves, who mentioned lost a couple straight this weekend. Now they get a rested San Diego Seals team at home, sitting at 6-1. and one. Evan! Yeah, and this travel is not going to be fun for those guys. I mean, luckily, most of them live in southern Ontario is a little easier than Albany, but having to go to the West Coast, never easy. The temperature difference is substantial. It's not going to be comfortable, and the Seals are just that red hot right now. San Diego for a five. Brad, who you got? Sign sign me up for some of that comfortability there, Mm. Evan. I'll take like no games of the week down in San Diego for you. No, I know it would be unbelievable. Um, We talked about it earlier. Like this is a a tough week, couple week stretch for the Albany Firewolves to have to come off those back to backs, go all the way down there. Anytime you can give Austin Stotts and and Dane Doby a week off, I think that's good for the the kind of lacrosse that they play. Um, Jeremy Noble and Westberg are flinging the ball around really well right now. And, and Frankie hasn't played in a couple weeks either. So he'll be dialed in. I think this is a, a good win for the best San Diego seals with a three. This is my eight game and I'm taking San Diego. I, I just think they put the hammer down here on home floor. So give me San Diego for an eight. And that'll round out this week's action. Don't forget people. If you're listening only one of the three of us went six for six and nailed the tiebreaker last week. So if you're looking for a little advice from this trio, I strongly suggest you pay attention to that. That's all I'm guessing. All right. Who you got is done. Lax class locks are next. It's locked. When you're right 52% of the time, you're wrong 48% of the time. 
of big luck, all right. Unfortunately, no money drop at the end of that little soundbite there, guys. I mentioned off the top of the program, my parlay went two for three the previous week. All I needed was Adam Charlambides to beat one Jesse King tending the goal at the end of the game on Friday night, and I would have had a nice return for the people. But no, uh, two for three. How did you guys do? Yeah, what screwed me was Calgary only winning by one. I had Calgary minus one and a half. That would have paid mine off and unfortunately didn't happen. Very close. Very close to that happening as well. Brad, uh, I don't even remember what yours was. Were you close? Yeah, the, the, the Swarm let me down. I got two out of three, but the, I wanted the Swarm to keep it close against Halifax. Of course, they got uh, they got blown out. I took the under in the Vancouver-Calgary game, so that would have that would have struck, and then Calgary over Panther City, that struck. It was just I thought Georgia put up a better fight against the Birds. Yeah, so all two for three this week. Tough week. I mean, uh, think about it. Six for nine. That's, you know, that's, that's pretty good, but you got to go three for three. So we'll look to get back on the winning track here this week. Brad, why don't you deliver your... Lax Glass Lock of the Week here. We won't get boosted odds, but not to worry. One of us is coming through with a victory this week. I feel it. Yeah, I'm playing it pretty conservative by my standards this week. Not swinging for the fences, but I think I got three reasonable uh, pairings here that can that can come together. We got the Vancouver Warriors at Panther City. Give me Vancouver on the money line at minus 154. Pretty good odds. Um Cal Saskatchewan rush, Colorado mammoth. So every, almost every TSN West game that we've done has been decided by one goal. It's like the boys know they're on national television. It's always a close game. So I'm taking the rush at plus 1.5. So the rush and the mammoth keep it close. And then I've got just an easy way to wrap it all up. Uh, Buffalo bandits and Rochester Nighthawks take the over and the Buffalo bandits can spill a lot of goals in the back of the net against Ryland Hartley. So pair those three together, 20 bucks will win you 91.35. That's plus 357. Yeah, not quite said. not quite as cowardly as those guys on OTCB went last week, but uh, not bad. Did it not pay bad. off? I don't know. I don't I don't know. I have to go back and look. Evan. I was debating between my third pick, and then when I selected one, it came up with this odds that was almost like a good luck charm. So that's why I had a, it's like, okay, that's it. Got to stick with this one here. <laughs> Starting with the same one Brad had there, Vancouver Warriors, a minus 154. They're a much bigger uh, favorite than minus 154 in this game. I was even debating going the minus one and a half, but that's what burned me last week with Calgary playing Panther City. So we'll just stick with the money line, minus 154. Colorado Mammoth are an underdog in this game against Saskatchewan. They were last week as well. When was the last time you saw a six and two team playing a two and six team and the six and two team is the underdog? Last week. That's ridiculous. Well, they weren't six and two and two and six. No, but they're five and two and two and five. Right. Colorado Mammoth money line plus 100. Then the one to wrap it up is San Diego Seals at minus 238 on the money line. The total odds on this are a plus 368, which in my hometown, that's actually our 
our number is the highway that goes through town. It's the telephone code for Lake Lenore. So that's the, that's why it's like this got to be a good luck charm. You know, 20, 20 pays ninety three sixty nine. OK, I don't mind. Like, I, I think there's some synergy there, Evan. I, I don't mind that, uh, you know, when things work out that way. I'm staying away this week from the point spread. Or the handicap, I'm staying away from the money line as well and going strictly, not only am I going strictly over-under, but I'm going triple over here, boys. Check it out. Buffalo Bandits and Nighthawks over 22 and a half. I think this is going to be a goal fest in Rochester. So give me the over 20. I know it's a high number. I don't mind it. Vancouver and Panther City over 21 and a half. And over in San Diego with the Firewolves and Seals at 21. Minus 110, minus 110, minus 115. 20 jumbo bucks times a plus 581 for three overs will get you a nice juicy return of 136.28. Triple over week here, fellas. Nicely done. Oh, you're, so you're hoping for an absolute goal pass. I, I like... Two of those games, I don't know. Like all, but you always gotta take the under with the Albany Firewall. Not like, always. Under. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. Well, and again, I I played this. That's strategy. the only one I'm not sure of of those. Yeah, those I played games. this strategy with Panther City and San Diego, and it was three three at halftime, <laughs> which cost me. And I don't think that happens again. I think these two teams are going to put up enough goals. So over, over, and over again. Let's see how it all plays out and see if we can get you some boosted odds next week. Good luck, everybody. Stay cool. Bet responsibly. I didn't even mention this. Lax Class Locks brought to you by Cool Bet Canada. And we've had a ton of people sign up already. This It just makes things a little more fun. Obviously, we, we can't gamble on lacrosse games, but you know, over the weekend, a little basketball action. There was some soccer, golf, tennis, all sorts of stuff there on Cool Bet. And it just makes things a little bit more interesting. Make sure you stay cool and bet responsibly. You know, don't go all nuts out of the gates here. But if you've been thinking about it, even if you are on another site, you're sign up on Cool Bet because they give you free money. Your first time deposit, they will match up to two hundred dollars. So put in two hundred, you get two hundred. All of a sudden, you got four hundred dollars to gamble around with. I don't understand why not everybody is on a cool bet, quite frankly. But when you do this, the key you got to put in the bonus code up in the top left corner, lax class. You do that. That's how you trigger the free money from Coolbet. Lax class is the bonus code. Got to be your first time deposit and you get free money from Coolbet. So do that. Uh, big and your qu- answer to your question is yes, that OTCB parlay did. Hit. Okay. Well, you know, I don't, it's not surprising. I don't know what they made like $10 or something like that. 20 will pay 63. Yeah. Well, it's whatever. Uh, Stampede Tack and Western Wear, the Vancouver Warriors. So we're going to be giving away a pair of tickets next week, uh, I believe, or maybe the week after for the upcoming Warriors game against Toronto. Stay tuned for that. Associate Labels and Packaging, Cool Bet, Rycor. Big thank you to all our sponsors. A big thanks to Austin Shanks for coming on the program. 
To you, the listener, for checking out Wax Class each and every week right here on the home of Lacrosse Classified, the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. We'll be back next Tuesday, every Tuesday, with another podcast for you. Thanks for joining us for this one. For Evan Schemenauer, Brad Schellner, I've been Jake Elliott, and for the fastest game on two feet, and for the creator, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay classified.